listening to episode 80 of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe. I'm in Four Stream Studio on a Wednesday morning, and I'm here with everybody this week. Everybody's here in the house. We've got Brad Brown. Hello. And we've got returning from his nine, what are we, 12 rounds with COVID, Jonathan Hafes. Man, it's good. To, it's good for you to be back here in the studio. Yep, yep, yep. Here I am in the flesh. I still sound funky because I, uh, I, I did kind of like the smorgasbord tour of COVID. Apparently, where it's like, let's just Ugh. sample all the different symptoms that are possible, um, and not at the same time. Like you know, just kind of, <laughs> I, I had I had phases. What a nightmare. So my final phase that I, I'm in right now is I'm still dealing with the fatigue that everybody talks about. It's legit. Um, you know, get to about noon here, here in just a little bit. I'm going to be like, where's, where's the couch? I need a nap. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the mornings are, are pretty good for me though. But that, and then, uh, I, obviously you can hear my voice. I sound like I have a cold. Um, I'm dealing with like some drainage, uh, which is, which is fun. You know, it's, it's great fun. But did no. you did you ever lose mm. your taste or you know, smell? You know what's funny is I think that's the most popular uh, COVID symptom, yeah. the most well known one. That I did not. Um, my wife did. She still can't smell or taste anything. Oh wow! Um, and so yeah, that that really stinks. Her um, her battle with COVID is it, it very interesting because I mean, as as we've known, you know, as we know from everybody's reports who's had it, like it's just there's such a wide variety to what mm-hmm. people go through, you know. Um, there are people who are completely asymptomatic and then obviously it's very serious. There have been hundreds of thousands of deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have people more like me who kind of fall in the middle where it's pretty serious and it really stinks, but like, it's not so serious. You end up like hospitalized and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, it's just so much variety, you know? So like my kids, um, we're, we're pretty sure all of them at it. Uh, we know for certain that Karis did because she tested positive, but but like Karis and Levi, like they ran fever for 24 hours and were fine. Um, so you That's know good. it was it was very mild for for them. And then Holly, I, it, pretty much the way it worked in my house is the older you were, the worse it was. Um, uh, Holly's case was m- much more mild than mine, um, but uh, she had low grade fever for I think two days, a couple of days, um, and then just really dealt with a lot of fatigue, a lot of fatigue, and and then obviously the the smell and taste. Um, me, I did like, I did like a fever phase for a week and then I did a COVID pneumonia phase for like a week and then I did like the nausea phase for like a week. And let me just tell you guys, it compared to all of that, I, I feel fantastic right wow. now. <laughs> um, that's great. How's Holly feeling now? She's doing really good, man. She really, good. really is. And so, and we've just, you know, um, just to speak directly to, to shades, like we have been so blessed uh, just by all the prayers, um, text, phone calls, uh, which I didn't even start replying to until like yesterday. Um, and, and then the meals, uh, you know, Sarah Corey took charge and set up some, some meals. And I yep. mean, those have just been, uh, a saving grace for our family. I mean, I didn't get to eat 90% of them, um, <laughs> because, you know, I was holed up, uh, in the room pretty much eating bread and water and drinking water. I was, I was at a very bland diet for a long time. Uh, um, lost 12 pounds. Uh, not, wow. not the way you want to do that. Um, but, um, not the plan, but, uh, but man, I mean, my wife, you know, 
Good gravy. What what a superwoman and just a champ, just really taking care of me and the rest of the family. And I just know those meals were such a blessing for her as I'm completely incapacitated. You know, it just, it just took a huge thing off of her plate and, uh, and allowed uh, her to really care for the rest of us. And so, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're very appreciative and, and I'm, I'm trying to not, you know, I mean, I think anytime we deal with something serious, uh, it, we kind of instinctively make jokes about it. At least the three of us do, <laughs> um, you know, humor's, humor's kind of the way we deal. And, and I'm not trying, I'm trying hard to, to not make jokes about like, Hey, I'm back from, you know, the, the precipice or whatever, uh, because it is a very serious thing, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and has been more serious for m- far many more people than, than myself. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody for the love, the prayers, the support. Slowly making my way back into the land of the living. So I'm here at the office today, but only for like half a day. And uh, um, yeah, mostly because still dealing with that fatigue and trying to get the energy levels back up. So I'm not even going to be here for what y'all are doing for the rest of the podcast. They're they're recording the intro um, this morning for just just for me, so I can participate and, and yeah. be part of it because um, I wanted to. I was whining about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, it's it's good to have you back, Jonathan. I, we're kind of like a BLT. You got to have all three parts. No one wants a bacon and lettuce sandwich. Well, so Jonathan would be the tomato in this <laughs> illustration. Thanks, thanks for for. Well, I guess I guess being the tomato is better than being the lettuce. I don't know who who yeah. gets to be that. I'm the bacon. Well, I, guess. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was the bacon, but you no, know, I mean yeah, that's fine. So yes, um, it is good to have you back. Yeah. Um. I, I haven't finished the episode y'all recorded the other week uh, with Court Gatliff on on yes. death. You know, yeah. because it's a million years long. It's true, uh, man. That's but, just a sample of our conversations. But too. I have I have uh, gotten gotten halfway into it and really been enjoying it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad to be back. But All I guess right. I guess we should move on and attend to like actual yeah, we, we've business. Got some, we've got some things to do today. I yeah, thi- I think we start out by heading down. Can I do it? Yeah, you can do it. Head down to the email corridor. What do we have? Uh, we did get one email. Since uh, the episode with Court on death, so if you haven't listened to that, this is uh, in reference to that episode. Which, which, by the way, just as a, a callback, I don't know if y'all remember this, but our very first episode of Shades Midweek was about death. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that the title of the episode is The One About Ashes and Death or something like that. We talked oh, about yeah. Lynn. Very early on. Oh, yeah. Lynn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would not have remembered that. Good so, job. There you go. There I you do go. want to mention this, too. This is from our good friend Kenny, Kenny McCants. He's written in before. I want to mention the timestamp in which this email was sent. I don't know if you guys looked at this. No, I didn't see that. I did Friday, not. September 10th, 2021 at 2.52 in the morning. <laughs> Kenneth, what are you doing? So imagine he's just waking up, right? <laughs> yeah, he woke up he's early, just, just getting his day started. Yep. Already listened to the podcast, exactly. My word. about to go on a, a jog, maybe or right? swim probably some laps. Work out, probably going to work out, get a quick workout in, and yep. watch the news and okay. drink some coffee. Yeah, he said, uh, "Here's what Kenny had to say: Just finished listening to the most recent episode concerning death, and wanted to say I thoroughly enjoyed it and was open to thoughts about death I'd never considered before." I assumed the conversation would go something along the lines of, 
hey, this death thing kind of sucks, followed by an apathetic, yeah. And I was obviously delighted that it was much more than that. Two things to follow up with that. Number one, what would it take for a guy to reserve a spot in the soon-to-be-established graveyard just behind Shades? It wasn't mentioned that we would create one in the episode, but a guy can dream. You guys want to answer that real quick? You Brad? know, you know. Here's what's fu- here's what's funny. Um, I, I actually am a fan of church graveyards. I really, really am. Oh yeah, it's, no it's, doubt. It's like a sad thing to me that we don't uh, don't do that. And I have made oh, no. the joke before. So if if you go in really old old church, especially in Europe and stuff like that, you'll see like on the floor in the church, like in the aisle, you'll see like what looks like a nameplate, basically. Yep. And it is like they would bury people in the church, like yep. at, at different points. And I have jokingly said before that when I die, y'all are gonna have to like cut the slab in the in the aisle in here and bury me in in shades. <laughs> Just put my do we name do we need there. elder approval for that? Wow, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm all know, of, I'm all about the well. The church you know, one of the things we talked about were knowing the laws, and I don't even know could we legally do that? I don't think we could. It, it has to do with zoning. I don't know. I don't understand those kinds of things. We'll look into it, Kenny, and we'll get call back our, to you. Call our lawyer. Yeah, we'll look into it and get back to you, Kenny. We do have a great law team, legal team here at Shades. We do. Um, yeah, all this death talk is reminding me of like Halloween coming up, and I was like, what are some oh, fun wow. episodes that we could do? I, I thought since we just mentioned uh, uh, lawyers, you were going to say, it reminds me, I need to get my will updated. <laughs> We've done our will already. I don't. Maybe we need to update it. I'm not sure. We need to update. Well, it. I have a Halloween sure. episode idea, but I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to talk. about I think it I know right which now. one you're. We talking. should yeah, probably yeah. talk about it off air to see if it's uh, <laughs> uh, approved. Right. Yep. Number two. Back to. Oh, we're not done. Back with to email. Kenny's email. Okay. No. <laughs> Number two. Open call for anyone who wants to start a band under the name Microwaved Stoicism. I call dibs on being the tambourine cowbell player. P.S. Starting to feel left out with all this talk of kings and queens of fan clubs, so I'd like to officially put my hat in the ring for the position of Grandmaster and Commander of the Dale Anton Fan Club. Anyone who wants to challenge me for this prestigious position is more than welcome to. Wait, so now... So now we have Gosh, a North a, Alabama chapter yeah. of a fan club that now has a fan club. We need a po- we need another podcast so to break all this to break all this down for, for Dale sure. Anton, who is the uh, the king of the North Alabama chapter. This is starting to sound like Shades Grant Primo's Shades Midweek Breakdown Podcast podcast. Thank you, Kenny, for writing in. I really appreciate it. Any yeah, thoughts very, on his email at all? Flow chart. Very thought. It's very thoughtful. We need a flow chart of all these fan clubs. Um, no, thank you as always. Yeah, Kenny, make Kenny. a Kenny, make a graphic like you did with the email corridor one. Make one with a flow chart for all the fan clubs that we have. Yeah, an offshoot yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah, offshoot such. podcast. Yes. Like a what do you call it? An infographic or yep. like what do you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Something like that. Okay, cool. Thank you, Kenny. That was a trip down to the email corridor. Well. So part of what I did listen to from the episode last week, yeah, uh, was because I've made it through you know the first forty minutes. I did get to hear uh, JM's album of the week last year, last week, um, which I was really excited about because I love Lord Huron and didn't know that they had dropped a new album. So I've been listening to it. Isn't um, it amazing? I, I I dig it. I haven't listened I to it, it yet. I need to. Um, but it got me really excited for this week. 
um, because I, I, I didn't get to be here in person for that one. So I'm really excited. What we got, JM? JM's album of the week. Before I jump into that, I kind of want to have some more conversation about the Lord Huron real oh, quick. Oh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Because I have since... So I did that album. I'd listened to it a few times. I've now since listened to it several times. I, I was telling Brad, I like to listen to music while I cut the grass. Generally, I cut the grass once a week. So, and it can, you know, and then we blow and weed eat. So I'm out there for a while. So I get to listen to a lot of music. You uh, said we, do you and Ashley do that together? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, tag, we tag team it. So I oh, cut the grass. Great. She edges and weedies, and then I get the blower out and I clean up the mess afterwards. That's wonderful, and it works out great. Works that out is really fun. Well. Once, uh, once Moses turns about 10, 10, 10 was the age yeah. where I taught Levi how to mow the grass. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that, but I do like my time kind of alone in my sure, head. Sure, so sure. it's that's going to be a tough one to give up. Uh, Jonathan, with you kind of being still recovering from COVID and maybe spending some time relaxing and resting. We should um, let everybody know that recovering <laughs> doesn't mean still have. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's we been sh- over. Let everybody know. Yeah. It, it's been well over three weeks since. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, today would yeah, be, good. I mean, it was August 26th when I got sick. So yeah. we're, we're nearly a month. Yeah. From um, do a YouTube dive on Lord Huron's YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. They have several music videos that they've done. They had several ad, advertisements uh some trailers and things that they did leading up to the release of the record they've created this whole world with the record with different characters it's yeah. it's amazing it's so it much out. fun so much fun all right so the album for this week comes from none other than kanye west and the record is donda and i'm very excited it is a Tour de Force, it is 27 songs, an hour and 48 minutes. Wow. Uh, Of course, with a lot of Kanye's releases, it has been met with controversy, uh, a mixture of opinions. Some people just love it. Some people cannot stand it. They hate it. The lead-up to the album is really what I want to talk about the most. We were talking about this before we started the podcast today. Right. So... A couple of several weeks ago, like I think it was back either late July, early August, Kanye all of a sudden drops a commercial like during something like the Olympics or something. And it's like just one commercial, just one commercial. And it's a trailer. And it's like, listen to Donda exclusively streaming on Apple Music, but live. And there's going to be an audience and it's going to be at the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, which is like the huge dome, you know, probably. Yeah, you know, where the 60, Falcons play. 60, yeah. 70,000 people. Where the Falcons lose. I, I watched them lose this past, yeah. this past week. They got blown mm. out, didn't they? It was, it, I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay, it was, I don't know what the score was. It's getting depressing now. Um, so I tune in, and number one, the first thing that happens is they give it a start time, and then it does not start at that time. And it takes Kanye two hours before the actual like listening party begins. And so then he comes out. So, so wait, so people normally get there, what? People are there an early. hour before? Dude, hour people were there for so hours. So some people were waiting like four hours. People were there for hours. So then the album finally starts, and they're just playing the album over the speakers. So it's like a live listening party. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I thought it was going to be like a live performance. It's not even a performance. No. So they're not no, waiting no, 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 on no. Kanye because they need him. And it was free. 
So what, anybody could come. What is happening? <laughs> okay. So then he comes out and he's dressed and he's got a mask on his face. So you can't even see his face. And then the whole like pantyhose or something. The whole time. So uh, on the field where normally they would play like games, it's like uh, it's there's nothing there. And he's just running around the whole time during the whole show. And there's like a spotlight on him. So very, very bizarre. <laughs> Well, then the album never comes out. The album's supposed to come out the next day, never drops. Two weeks later, he's like, all right, guys, we're doing a second listening party at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium again. And so, and it's going to stream exclusively on Apple Music. You can watch it from your home. Same thing, but a little different this time. In the center of the stadium, he has like a bed and like some other props and he's dressed differently. He's like in all black with a mask on again. Then there's a lot of other people around uh, on the field and the music's different too. So the album's like, he's like tweaked it. He's like done some different things on the second listening session, but the same thing happens. He doesn't start it for like two hours after the start time. So everybody's mad. Can I just tell you that if you are not on Twitter it, gosh, go back and try to find like I bet somebody compiled like funniest memes from Kanye's listening sessions. The <laughs> memes are unbelievable. They're so funny. So, anyways, he does this whole thing. I would watch a TV show of just Kanye throwing out ideas to his team that has to make it happen. I think that would be worth I'm, watching. I'm watching this on YouTube okay. right now. I, I, you didn't describe in the first. The first listening party, you didn't describe what the setup looked like. It, it's. Wait, it, which one am, is I, that? am I at the right no, one? I don't think no, you are. I don't think you are. So, Jonathan, you're oh, watching. No. This you're is watching in Chicago. the third. This is in Chicago. <laughs> you're watching the third listening wait, event. Wait, <laughs> So, after the second Atlanta one, they're like, yeah, the album's about to drop. It never comes out. Okay. So then it's like everybody's just starting to get freak, like freaking out. Like, he's never going to release this album. This is just like a big joke. Like he's just doing this on purpose. Then he's like, third listening party, Chicago, Soldier Field, where the Chicago Bears play. And he shows up and there's like a giant mound of dirt. And they have built a house that I guess is supposed to be a replica of like the house that he grew up in. Oh my gosh. And then there's a bunch of people around the mound of dirt uh, performing like a performance performance. art art performance or whatever. And so I don't know what's going on. The songs are different again. Marilyn Manson shows up. <laughs> That's Naturally. the first one. You're watching the first one right now where he's in red. Naturally. Marilyn Manson yeah. shows up. A bunch of other people, they're just hanging out on the porch of this house that they've put inside Soldier Field. He does the whole album, blah, 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 blah. Same thing, starts late, whatever. The album never comes out. And then... The album drops on a Sunday morning, and then he tweets Universal or whatever label he's putting out. They released my album without my permission. <laughs> so, so, so pretty just, much just pretty standard fare here. Just pretty standard fare yeah, for Kanye West. Would, what one would expect. And there's a bunch of other stuff too. Like he set himself on fire at the Chicago performance. He had on like a special suit that you could set yourself on fire That's with. Good. He did that. The second performance, he uh, buckled into like some sort of system that lifted him 
way high up in the air, so the aerial shot was insane. Like Garth Brooks yes, used to do? Yes, but like even higher than that. Just crazy. And then Kim Kardashian showed up in like a wedding gown. They're divorced, but she showed up in a wedding gown at the Chicago one. Oh my gosh. There, there's just all kinds of things going on, right? Here's what I have to say about the album. <laughs> oh yeah, we were talking about an album. I think it is incredible. It's sort of an ode to his mother who passed away back in, I think, 2009 uh named donda and so the whole album is incredible it's definitely um an extension of his jesus is king record where there's a lot of faith-based um explicitly christian lyrics throughout uh the record but there's also a number of guests like every song has a guest so the weekend is on a track jay-z is on a track Marilyn Manson's on a track, which is super weird. Um, there's just a bunch of people involved in this thing. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to start because there's 27 tracks. So here's what I'll say. My favorite track right now is this uh, track called Come to Life. So I'll play a little bit of that. thank God for saving me. Here go all your problems again. Three, two, one, you pen. Shut down again. Yeah. Did she finally come to life? Ever wish you had another life. Ever wish you had another life. Ever wish you had another life. Don't you wish the night would go long? I've been feeling low for so long. Yeah. I ain't had a high. So, uh, I mean, that Kanye auto tune, I mean, I'm here all day for it. Yeah. My second favorite track is called Moon. It's a sad song. So cool, though. Is this Marilyn Manson? Kidding. That was a joke. Um, I will say, production-wise, I think we were talking about this, Brad, why people hate it so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this song, the song that I played previously, there's no drums. No drums. There's no loops. There's no yeah. drum machines. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of a reoccurring theme on this whole record, uh, like this song, Jail. There's no loop on it. It's just like this guitar riff and other guitars, yeah. and that's it. It's very bare bones, production aesthetic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But not everybody's going to be into it. Maybe that. some people want, want a beat. They want, like, they I'll want, give you an example. They want, like, Jesus Walks. They'll want that, or they'll want, like, something closer to this. Like, well, actually, I don't even think this has a loop on it. Gosh, what song has a loop? I don't... Um... Sorry, I'm not participating, guys. I just got done watching Kanye be on fire, and now Kim Kardashian's in a wedding dress. I'm <laughs> a little distracted. I don't even know where to... There are so this many is... songs on this record. Does Jesus Lord have a beat? Yes. You gotta fast forward a little bit. That's what people want. That yeah. needs... Tell me if you know someone that needs Jesus. That's actually one version of Jesus Lord on the album. There's two. The first one is eight minutes long. The second one's over eleven minutes. I love the record. I think it's great. Please tell me if you hate it. I'd love I'd love to hear some pushback on it. We haven't really even talked about Kanye before. Maybe we'll do an episode on like Kanye's conversion and wow. the Jesus is King album. Yeah. And we could 
Dude, we, I think we could do a whole episode totally. on Totally. Could see if we get Kim on, maybe. So that's my very, very extended J- JM's album of the week. Thank you for being patient with me, everybody. Any other thoughts on this I, record? No, I think you've said it. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, John. This has been another episode of Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> right. Just starting it now. Oh, this is the book thing. I'm not even going to ask if you have a book. We st- I know you have a book. We still do a book thing. It's part of the shtick. Hey, you only have 30 seconds to talk about your book, though. <laughs> uh, I took up 45 minutes talking about Kanye. Welcome to another segment of Bradford's Book Club. I am excited about the book that I have. And speaking of music, John Mark, the book that I'm recommending today interacts with the world of music. It is a book titled A Mess of Help from the Crucified Soul of Rock and Roll. It's written by David Zoll. David Zoll is the director of Mockingbird Ministries, editor-in-chief of the Mockingbird blog, and a recovering music critic. He and his wife, Kate, live with their two sons in Virginia. I thought they were in New York now. Where David also serves on the staff of Christ Episcopal Church. So, MockingbirdEmber.com is a website that interacts with faith and culture. And so there's a lot of great blogs on there that you can go check out, a lot of thought-provoking content. This book, let me just read a little bit from the back cover. In his debut book, writer and blogger David Zoll riffs on the intersection of music, memoir, and theology to create a fresh and colorful series of essays that truly stands alone. Constructed like an album, A Mess of Help surveys some of pop's most eccentric icons in hopes of finding answers to both the small questions, who am I? And the big ones, what about Michael Jackson, question mark. How fundamentalism sparked Guns N' Roses, what ABBA can do for your marriage, and why Brian Wilson built his sandbox. Open your heart and drop the needle. So, wow. a very interesting book. It is a signed copy. Whoa, I actually, what is happening? Yes, yeah, so David's father is a man named Paul Zoll, and he was the dean at the Cathedral Church of the Advent. I don't know for how long. Ah. And uh, then was, I don't know if he still is currently, but was a professor at a seminary. But David has written this book. And let me just read a few chapter titles. I think it might pique some interest. I thought you were about to say, let me just read a few chapters. I was going to be like, <laughs> guys, I don't think we have time for anything other than y'all's uh, well, books this, and albums this This week. episode is pretty much gone, so why not just Nobody's keep going in that direction? So one al- one chapter... Teenage angst paid off well growing up with Nirvana. Okay. Interesting. Get back. The ever-present past of the Beatles. Love it. I love the Beatles. The secret history of William Axel Rose. Crying Abba, an annotated playlist. They have a new album coming out. Okay. Do they really? Yes. You need a mess of help to stand alone. Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Yeah, you know, he built that, uh, I'm sure you've watched the movie Love and Mercy, which is yes, the biopic. a great um, movie. I think it's fairly accurate. You know, sometimes those biopics can be, they'll take liberties yeah. uh, like they did with the with the Queen one. It's got where, John Cusack. Yeah, right, but, uh, older Brian but yeah, man, in his living room, uh, he had his grand piano that he would write on and he built a, he put it in sand. 
he he built a literal sandbox so that when he was writing and working on music, uh, you know, his bare feet could be on the sand. Yeah. So kind of an interesting idea. He's yeah. a wild, wild dude. He's got a wild back. I'm I'm really interested in this book, man. I didn't know. Yes, it's really this. interesting to see him interact with these bands, the influence they had on him, and as he reflects on some of the themes of their music, maybe some struggles or questions that they've had with faith and what it means to be human, what it means to love, receive love, all of that. He kind of looks into all that and then thinks about it theologically. So it's an interesting read. Man, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah, so good- A Mess of Help from the Crucified Soul of Rock and Roll by David F. Zolp. David F. David W. F. Zoll. I love it. You Sorry, gotta, David. You gotta gotta use the initials. It makes you sound more official as an author. That's right. But so that's all I got. Well, gentlemen, I don't think he did a listening session or anything for the book. <laughs> okay. Our uh, the current time is twelve fifteen p.m. and I am beginning to hit my wall for the oh, day. Man. Much like our uh, our listeners, I imagine, are slamming into the proverbial wall. <laughs> um. Some so, people like longer episodes. I no, think they it's, do. It's, it's all it's, about it, there's taste. There's a mix. True. There's a mix. Yeah, give us your feedback. So, do you hate our introductions? <laughs> do you always fast forward them, or do you enjoy them? Well, let me uh, let me introduce what uh, what everybody's about to hear. Yep. Um, so coming up uh, really soon, not this Sunday, but the next uh, Sunday, September the twenty sixth. Is that right? Yes. Is that the right date? Yes. We will be celebrating uh, Shades' thirtieth uh, anniversary. I think the 24th of September is the actual day that Shades turns 30. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 30 years. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to uh, do an episode or two. We've got maybe some other stuff up our sleeve. Uh, it kind of focuses on different aspects of the history of Shades and things like that, um, just in celebration of the 30th birthday. And so we have contacted none other than John Hudson. Um, yeah. John Hudson, uh, was longtime member of Shades Valley Community Church and, uh, left, uh, to form a ministry called Hundredfold, which I'm sure y'all talk about with him a little bit more. But when he was here at Shades, one of the biggest roles he had was when Shades purchased the facility that we're in, uh, John's an architect and John did a lot of the design work, uh, that makes the building of Shades very unique and such. And so we were like, let's have John on to talk a little bit about the history of the facility and the building and such. So without any further ado, here is Brad and John Mark interviewing John Hudson. So John, thank you so much for coming on Shades Midweek to talk to us. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. It is an exciting time uh, in Montana Falls in the air. Oh, goodness. So uh, it's, it's it's a changing of season in so many ways. Yes. So you are in Montana. Where in Montana? We are in Lakeside, Montana, which is in the northwest corner. Uh, We're right on the shores of Flathead Lake, and we are an hour away from Glacier National Park. And a couple of other claim to fame is um, uh, Eugene Peterson and his family uh, had a lake house residence down here. So this is somewhat of the birthplace of the message. Uh, and Phil Jackson, basketball coach um, uh, of fame, is also uh, one of our neighbors here. But uh, more importantly, there's a Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, uh, is a, a reason we came out to Montana to partner with them. And uh, just a great, beautiful place to be. I've been here 11 years, and every day it's like, oh, look at the mountains. And uh, <laughs> just a great place to be. 
Yes, I was going to ask, is living in Montana as amazing as it sounds? Yes, it's it's uh, it's epic every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you are with 100-Fold Studio, and 100-Fold Studio is a ministry that we support at Shades Valley. It's a, a ministry and organization that was birthed out of Shades Valley, so I know many of our listeners will be familiar with 100-Fold, but for those that don't, would you just share a little bit about who 100-Fold is and share a little bit about the work that y'all do? Yeah. Uh, a core belief of ours is First uh, Peter 4.10. Um, each of us has a talent, and we should use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. And it's just really that uh, uh, there's no line between sacred and, sacred and secular um, that all our vocations are adding up to furthering or have the possibility to add up to God's kingdom being advanced and furthered. So from baristas um, to pastors to architects um, and school teachers, we all have our role to play that, that God's given us, and we should try to maximize that. So we recently encourage that vocation is important. And specifically as architects, um, we find a lot of college graduates that love Jesus and love design and don't see a way that they can be integrated together unless they kind of say, I work over here and I worship over here, but we really want to bring those together. Mm -hmm. Um, and also there's the possibility, how can I use these amazing gifts and opportunities I've had in, in growing up and in education, um, and being able to serve the poor and reach the marginalized and share the gospel in areas of the world that don't have access, uh, or, to the gospel or sustained churches. So for an architect, the barrier is licensure. So architects have to have like a, a residency, like a doctor working underneath, uh, alongside, uh, another architect. And, um, that two to three year internship or apprenticeship doesn't exist in Christian missions. And so hundredfold, uh, technically as a nonprofit, we weave together, we're fully accredited by the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards or NCARB as providing that path to licensure while serving um, internationally in Christian missions and in the non nonprofit sector. So that's really the, the core foundation of Hundredfold. Yeah, that's awesome. And so when did you first uh, come to Birmingham. How did you end up in Birmingham, you and your family originally? Yeah, um, uh, I'm a child of the Southeast. So I was okay. born in Atlanta, moved to Birmingham um, when I was eight, grew up here. Um, my wife and I went to rival high schools. So I was introduced to her through a, a Young Life type, well, actually through Young Life and other Young uh -huh. Life type ministries. Um, uh, I went off to school in Virginia. Uh, uh, Samantha went to school at Sanford, um, just down the street and, um, uh, came back after, after undergraduate study in, in grad school, uh, just before grad school, Samantha and I started dating and, uh, long distance relationship. Um, we went and trained with YWAM, uh, at different times, but, uh, kind of had this course of using our professional skills. She's a, uh, trained as a nurse. I'm an architect. Um, and uh, went into YWAM and, and came back and kind of long story short made, uh, we always felt Birmingham and specifically Shades Valley was our home. Uh, we mm -hmm. still refer to y'all as our home church, yeah. although we have a home church in Montana, <laughs> but the, the home home church is Shades. And so our gravity and our families um, are largely around Birmingham. 
Okay, so how did you how did y'all end up at Shades Valley? Yes, uh, Sam was um, a student at Stanford and involved with Young Life, um, and Shades Valley has always been a great bridge or connector between people that might have uh, had different experiences in church or broken relationships, and just a place to come in. And she felt she could invite Young Life. Um, kids from high school to Shades, which was actually meeting at Shades Valley, Shades Valley High School ah. um, way back when. Um, and then it moved to the warehouse. Uh, and so it was just a, a safe environment and a welcoming environment for people to come in. Um, and so she kind of grew up, uh, became a young adult in a, the Shades family, and they really just nurtured her. So uh, then when I came along, um, everybody knew Sam, and I was uh, – <laughs> I was this new guy, so um, we took a step away for a while and grew in, in our in our relationship and marriage, and then we stepped back into Shades Valley because we really just felt it as home. Um, and it just uh, and the building project was actually one of the, the big invitations to return and opportunities um, uh, to re-enter into the church and just feels like our community. So Mike Garrigan married us, um, so a lot of great connections. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you mentioned the building project. And so I think this is going to take up the rest of our conversations <laughs> because you were yeah. integral to the design of this building, right? Yeah. So why don't you tell I, us a little I, bit about how you got involved with that? Yeah. Uh, I, want the, I really want to emphasize integral as part of being this amazing team that God brought together. Um, I call it the best Bible study ever. Uh, <laughs> just the group of people uh, that were putting this project together. Um, I'm going to try to hundredfold just a little bit and back up that um, Sam and I in 1999 went to Nepal and our hope was to use our professional giftings to serve in that country. Um, and while we were there, uh, uh, visas were difficult. Um, the, being in the culture was difficult and why exactly are you here? You're kind of like a tourist that stayed too long or, you know, if you're trying to share the gospel, that wasn't invited, particularly at that time. And a Nepali um, said to us, like, listen, like the church, Nepali church is growing. And so we can go walk out into the mountains and we can share um, the Bible translations. But what we don't have is training and we don't have a building to train in. So, and I believe really the Holy Spirit was leading this Nepali and saying, like, listen, um, you're an architect, actually an unlicensed architect. Go back to your United States, get licensed, and you could come back on a business visa and you could provide earthquake resistant structures that are large enough to train people, particularly the Nepali church. And if anything happens, this is a place where the community can come together. Um, if there's an event of an earthquake or just for community gatherings. And that's a way to genuinely serve a community. Um, and be present in Nepal on, on a visa. So, uh, John, I recommend you go back and get your license, and we'll see what God does in the future. Um, so at that time, I was I was disappointed, Samantha was too, because that meant like a three-year, nine-exam journey uh, that felt was taking us away from Nepal. Mm. But, um, uh, but it was wise, and I think it was God-led. So came back, um, worked in North Carolina, got licensed, and then came to Birmingham and ended up working in that an architecture firm that uh, had church member uh, in, the, in the process. And so uh, that architecture firm was going to help Shades Valley out. Uh, and 
be the licensed architect for the building project. And I was just a young studio intern at that time. And um, as the building moved along, um, it became more and more complicated. And so working with Shades Valley Community Church was the first time I was able to see the vision of being a licensed architect and going through the building codes and knowing the construction industry as being a way to serve and allow the gospel to advance in West Homewood and in Birmingham. So for me, the building project was this long art journey of like, oh, wow, you really can. Architecture and ministry can come together in a practical way. Um, and so became the project architect on it. Um, again, uh, a time to give credit to Jeff Gungan and, and Louis Maquette for providing the space to give pro bono services uh, to the church and, and allow me to explore this. And then was working with uh, Jimmy Jeffcoat, an engineer, uh, A.J. Wonski. Um, uh, just a whole group um, of, of artists and contractors and, and people that knew about development. And uh, that's how we got in, into this project. And that's how it ties to the 100-fold story. This was kind of the, the inspiration point for my personal journey and was able to serve the community here. Do you know uh, just the process of locating the building? I'm sure there were maybe some other sites that Shades Valley had looked at, at purchasing or maybe even building their own. So why the Alpine Ice Arena? Can you maybe go into that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, why the Alpine Ice Lodge is, uh, yeah. I think everybody has a skating story at yep. some point. I um, do. <laughs> okay. So either where you busted and got a bloody nose or had a yeah. crush or, um, yes. uh, had a youth group come through. So, uh, we were over in the warehouse off of, um, further down on Oxmoor. Um, it's an amazing place, but, um, I think, I don't know if other opportunities were, I kind of jumped in later in the game, but I knew the church had always had an eye to be in, um, West Homewood. Yeah. That was important. And it needed to be a walkable in the middle of the community, um, not car dependent. And, uh, the ice lodge was, a, is an icon. Everybody knows it. And it just, kind of the right size. Um, also, it, it bookends West Homewood Park, and on the other end is a senior center, and uh, on this end is the church. Um, and so they felt that this was anchoring a story in the community, being bookends um, and being one to be an institution in, um, in West Homewood and playing. And Mike always talks about there's different sized churches and different types of churches in a community, and you have your big anchor churches that everybody knows but um, Shades Valley wanted to be that hub for, for West Homewood in particular. So the location, location was super important, and this was just so convenient in so many ways, uh, near the school and your businesses near 65. Um, at the time, it was no longer the ice rink. It was actually uh, a sports center uh, medical facility for UAB. Uh, so, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So um, – it was more indoor sports and recreation at this time. The ice had been taken out and actually the ice rink um, had a sand bed, but that was filled in with concrete. So you had this gigantic concrete oval um, and remnants of the Zamboni room. Um, <laughs> up in the mezzanine, there was still these Smurf blue bleachers that would look down onto the area. And then it was just pelted with soccer balls in the ceiling where it's uh, broken the insulation. I think there's still some remnants of that. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's, yeah, no longer ice skating, but it's more of an indoor sports arena and venue um, and uh, kind of a PT, physical therapy uh, area when, when the church in, inherited it. Wow. So y'all come across this 
used to be ice rink, now sports complex that's falling apart in some ways. I know we have a mm-hmm. picture of when it was a sports complex. Maybe we can put that on social media yeah. so people can see. You've got this big space. And mm-hmm. how do you get from there to then what we have now as Shades Valley? I know that's a big question. You could go a lot of different directions, but I kind of want to just leave yeah. it there and, and hear what you have to say. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the different lives the building has experienced and different memories people have in it. And then even the the, the building was going in disrepair um, when we got into it and uh Mike and the church really had a vision of, of resurrection, that, that the building is um, a story or reflecting a story of people that we are resurrected in Christ and rebuilt and renewed and, and sent back out into the world as testimonies to, to Jesus' love and power. Mm. And so that was an overarching theme to everything we're doing. Mm. We're repairing this. We're also representing the repair of our souls and the restoration of our souls. Um, the, the next thing the, the church wanted to be a certain size. We want to to be like around 300 people and it wasn't wanting to necessarily expand into a, you know, a mega church, um, which was a big deal at that time. Um, and it also wanted to share this resource with the community. So if we have an entire ice skating rink, we don't necessarily want to fill it every Sunday. Mm. We'd rather have an intimate, more family setting um, and then have the rest of it for the future. Uh, or for community use. So that was a very intentional decision that we're going to put a some kind of line down the middle and, and figure out uh, what, what works for our 300-person congregation and then what works for the youth spaces and all those things. And then we're going to figure out the rest for later. Um, so just kind of out of, the, out of the gates, you know, Sanford was doing step show and um, practice in the, in the big open area in the back. And it's been a storage room. It's been a mini gym. And, yep. uh just kind of a lot of different uses and that's, you know, that's still open for what God would have for shades at this time. But it, yeah. but for the architects, it gave us a definition of how big that sanctuary would be. Um, and for that intimate setting, again, around that ideal number, about 300 people. So was the sanctuary where y'all started thinking through the design and then went around that or did, was, did y'all approach it a different way? Yeah, I think uh, as I look back, working with uh, Jeff Dungan and um, and others, and, and Jimmy Jeffcoat and some other engineers, uh, David Garrigan uh, contracting the project. Uh, his family put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, into mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, and I'm uh, I'm not going to remember everybody's name, but I just want to keep emphasizing this is a big team game. Yeah. Uh, in the process, so um, we were trying to, you know, it's a shoestring budget. Um, what I recall. Uh, in the church acquiring the property, it was a mix of paying upfront cash, um, and and then the property owners donating uh, a portion of the value of the property of the church. And so it was a sweet mm-hmm. spot. That was a mix. It was a win for the church and what they could afford. It was always a stretch of faith, and but also uh, a willingness of the previous property owner to make this work um, for a nonprofit. And so um, Walter Brush uh, was instrumental and. In, in, walking through that, um, John Hendricks, uh, they were really spearheading getting the, getting the building. So that sets up, Hey, we got a gigantic space and a very limited budget. Um, <laughs> how are we going to do this? So, um, at one time, uh, 
you know, you go into a hospital room, you have the curtains that kind of swing around. Uh, oh, yeah. We thought about, well, we could have a big sanctuary and we broke up into small groups and adult teachings. We'll just go in these little circles and we'll swing the curtain around and like just <laughs> – uh, that was, that's, that's what we could afford for adult classrooms. Um, and <laughs> wow. so, um, they, uh, but we did prioritize the kids ministry cause that's, you know, as an architect, that's always the first place that the church grows. Um, you need more kid classrooms. And so the shades was beautifully bursting at the seams. So the lot, the whole locker rooms became kids classrooms, um, and, uh, in, uh areas for cribs and infants and just crawling, and so that really defined uh, a lot of, you know, outside the sanctuary, how are we going to provide a place to learn about Jesus for these kids? Um, and then really the staff said, okay, we'll take what's, what's left over. And uh, so we had an upper loft, um, which uh, the, the offices are in now in the library. And then we also had some extra space for like birthing different visions. And so there's a large room upstairs that uh, had a, an alternate church service. Um, and then at one time it, it hosted like some addiction recovery programs. Uh, and so we had a lot of flex space, um, that we just see what God would do with it and kind of got decorated by the artists. And then lastly, we wanted a really cool space for the, the high school kids and middle schoolers. So there's a, a loft with like bright orange, um, steel, yeah. at least at one point. Oh, still, um, yeah, still is. Okay. And so that was like more rough and tumble open. Um, and, uh, and to see how the, the teenagers would use that. So that's how, and that said, that's an extremely complex code, um, to tackle is in my young career, that was the most, and still is to this day, one of the most complex code projects are again, going back to like, we were able to bring our gifting as architects with vision, but also health, safety, welfare, and worked really close with the city of Homewood and structural engineers, um, and uh, join your fire to make sure this building was safe and was and is meeting code while doing all these diverse things. Talk. So I know you mentioned a shoestring budget. Um, talk a little bit about how some of the old materials that were here when you purchased the building, how they were repurposed in different ways, very creative ways, I might add. Um, just kind of talk about some of those things because I know that some of our listeners, they're very familiar with the building, but they may not know some of the stories or even like, you know, what, you know, where did this material come from? So, yeah, yeah. well, and John, along with that question, you can answer this either follow up from that question or before whichever you would like. But I mean, everyone comments on the space when they walk into our building, they say how unique Mm -hmm. it is that they've never been in a church like this that looks like this before. So I'd also love to hear you talk about some of the inspiration and how Mm -hmm. y'all landed with the aesthetic that we have now because it is unique it has a timeless feel to it It has an earthly feel to it people feel comfortable when they come in they like to stay and talk it feels warm so yeah with those two questions answer however you see fit yeah um great question again with that overarching theme of like repurposing and and restoration renewal um the biggest story is the bleachers so again those smurf blue wooden bleachers are up in the mezzanine there's lots and lots of bleachers and, and David Garrigan had the idea that these bleachers were two by 12 pieces of wood. And he said, if we run it down a bandsaw, we can turn it into these one by 12s. That's, you know, 30 year old pine. And when you flip it over, you have this beautiful wood. Wow. Um, and so the wood that's 
that panel size that you see all around the sanctuary, that those are the, 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 the bleacher seating. Unreal. And yeah, so if you get behind it, it'll glow smurf blue. But um, really, <laughs> David had that idea to get this amazing finished material. So we made that primary, um, the primary expression in, in the church. Um, and then we wanted to have wood interior that instead of like gypboard everywhere, um, we want to keep that warmth going, but not overwhelm the bleachers. So um, Jeff Tongan had the idea, like there's this very um, affordable material, Chinese plywood, and but it has like an iridescence to it. Uh, and so we brought that in to line the rest of the sanctuary. And then for the rest of the rooms, um, David Garrigan knew that, hey, to do gypboard again, you know, it's not always, it can be a cold aesthetic. But in, in this setting, but also you have to have somebody that knows how to tape it and finish it and sand it. And with our timeline, we didn't have the, the skill set or the time to do finished drywall everywhere in the, in the space. There is one wall of the sanctuary that has it. But um, we knew about it's a material called homosote. Um, and that's what I see in your studio right now. Um, it is 12 inches of newspaper that is compressed um, to a half inch thickness. Wow. So it's recycled newspapers. And so that's what comprises all the walls. It's very dense. It absorbs sound. So with all these kids and people coming around, we wanted the building to absorb sound really well and it didn't have to be finished. So you can tack into it. So in architecture schools, we use homosote for pinning up our projects and knowing that shades is filled with artists and ever changing schedules. We wanted mm. the, the walls to be like living art galleries. Um, that it absorbs sound. And then also you see the screws and the beauty washers that the volunteers could put these sheets up and that was a done, uh, a, a done finish that we didn't have to come back and tape and sand and uh, have skilled labor do this. Ah. So uh, but boxes and boxes of screws and those shiny little rings uh, that's called the beauty washer. And that's how the, 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 that look and that wall type came together. Wow. So, uh, so we bought a truckload of it and just put it everywhere. <laughs> um, another good story is the ice lodge. You know, there's an area that you go get your, your skating, you go get your skate rentals. And, um, they had a bunch of beautiful cedar columns, um, in that. And, but we wanted a more open space over by the coffee area for people to gather. So we took out all the columns and put in steel, uh, steel, uh, beams to open up those spaces. So, um, you can identify those where they kind of, line it's it, kind of like a little beetle or a spider of steel that's holding up the second floor and reaching over from column to column and then we took the leftover steel uh cedar columns and uh turn them into the stairwell that's what so i was going to ask the, about the, the, the yeah. post yeah the post on the stair um are the old alpine lodge um columns that were in the middle where you go get richard's uh Rinser ski. I'm saying skis from Montana. Rinser skates. <laughs> um, sorry for the confusion there. <laughs> so yeah, your skate rental was over there. Um, and then, uh, so we have this beautiful stair coming down to this landing. Um, that's concrete. We want to be inviting so everybody can come in different directions. Uh, so Jeremy Darnell was really good at concrete and he created that ellipse, uh, landing where the stair comes down. So that was, that was, that's some artisan work right there. Uh, in the back is a cross. Um, the cross is from the church I grew up in, St. Luke's Episcopal Church. And they cut up their slate floors and gave it to members of the congregation when they remodeled their sanctuary. And so uh, 
my family is, is meaningful to put a little bit of another church into a church. And so if you see the cross in the back, it's actually from the floor of St. Luke's. And oh, wow. Again, back to, back to Mike's commentary that, you know, there's different churches that are anchoring different parts of the community and, uh, you know, we're united in that. So that was a way to Kristen, uh, that part of the building. Um, uh, another story that everybody's intimately aware with, but, uh, but might not know the backstory is, uh, a department store called McCray's closed down at the time we were trying to fill out the church. And so when a department store closes down, they open up the building to everything in it's for sale. Lights, mm-hmm. back of house stuff, little tables, chairs, everything. And so we went in one night, just had a shopping spree. Like the church gave us a budget and Samantha and I went in. And um, so the altar in the middle of the sanctuary used to be a clothing display, little low table and had and has a circle in the center of it. I have not so, heard uh, this. I, I did not know that. I did not know that. That's great. Yeah. So you would have imagined like, you know, blue jeans or shirts displayed in a circle. Yep. And what we liked it in the center of it, you could, I think at one time it had the cross in the center. Uh-huh. Um, so you come kneel at the cross for communion. Yep. Uh, but that's that's where that came from. Wow. Um, they sold the employees' lockers, and there's this beautiful perforated metal with circles. So looping back to the stairs, when you go up the stairs, you see this metal with with holes in it. Those are the employee lockers that the Grays that uh, <laughs> David Garrigan repurposed, and um, and then we used more of the pine on the stair treads, but the front of the tread we knew would get worn away. So that's a special wood called Ipe. It's a Brazilian hardwood. Um, so that just got beautiful mix of two different tones of wood. Again, I credit to David Garrigan. And then um, at the very wow. top of the stair, there's is a, a wheat like um, piece of railing or just wire. And Mary Garrigan put that together to make that um, uh, that infill that expresses the church. Um, so yeah, those are some stories of where else. there's so many. Almost everything in the church has some story behind it because we were working on a shoestring budget and just God's provision. Can you tell me about the main sanctuary doors? Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Young and the Cat uh, was located down by Pepper Place and Nick. So a lot of these great antique and imported um, things. So. For context, the, the look we were going for was industrial sacred as uh, the overarching look of the church. Wait, could you um, say that one more time? You cut out a little bit. Yeah, the the, uh, the the overall aesthetic for the church that we were going for was industrial sacred. Okay. Uh, so we wanted to, it's a, it's a warehouse building. Um, at the same time, we wanted an element of God's holiness um, uh, in it through the artwork and through the materials. And I have four daughters. Um, so I was like, I need a place where our kids can get married. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I grew up in a tradition where the, the, there's these beautiful church doors in the back. They open up and mm. you know, oh, the yeah. sunlight comes through. And yeah. uh, Samantha, my bride, was walking down. So we, we wanted that kind of same experience uh, for members of the, of the church if they came here. Like, do they have an, um, one of these kind of older church feels? Um, you know, bringing the ancient and the new together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were on the hunt for some church doors. Ah. And so there's a, a shipment that came in to one of the markets uh, down by Dr. Pepper place. And um, so I just ran out like, okay, this is where the good stuff's coming in and went and there's these doors that just stood out. And I was like, these are wonderful. Like these are the exact doors that shades need. It matches the pine and 
wow. so I'd like to put these on hold. I want to put these on hold. And the guy's like, I'm so sorry. They've already been taken. Like, no, no. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, I go upstairs and I, I tell Jeff down this whole story and, um, and like we missed out on these doors. He's like, no, no, no. I'm the one that got them. Unbelievable. So Jeff had already gone in even earlier and tracked down these doors. So, um, this, they're, uh, from, from England. Uh, I can't tell you which church or the whole story, but they're, 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 uh, from, from old Europe and, and just make this brick. Cause also the building's so big. We wanted to find places where people, when they put their hand to the building, that it's meaningful. So that the, the cedar stair rail and then the church doors, when you open those doors, like you, you feel a, a great connection with the church. And um, again, that industrial sacred space. Um, the, the, the lights that hang the space, those were inspired by a church called Hagia Sophia um, or St. Wisdom in, um, in Istanbul. It used to be the largest dome church before St. Peter's, and they have these huge chandeliers that hang down low and close to the floor that make that space intimate, um, a, a great place to feel family and prayer and worshipful while you're still in a, a, a 40-foot-tall space, and it really brings that level down. While you're talking about the sanctuary, the overall design of the sanctuary feels like a circle. or yeah. And so I wonder if you talk a little bit about that, the intentionality behind that. Yeah, um, uh, in some church traditions, actually, when they read the gospel, uh, there's a lot of different ways, but this is kind of my entry into into the sanctuaries. Um, uh, in a long church that has pews, and w- at one end is maybe the the altar, and where the priest would be talking or pastor would be talking. When the gospel is read, they actually go down the middle aisle of the church and read the gospel in the middle, and everybody has to turn and look at each other. And um, as you're looking through the gospel, you're looking at your your your, your fellow um, fellow man, fellow sister, brothers in Christ. And so the idea that the church service could turn back on itself when we look at each other, it can be awkward or uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it, it brings us community and fellowship. And um, so we we didn't do a half circle, but wanted to do like closer to a full circle in the original setup. So there's different areas that that center altar could be um, at different seasons or stages of the church if they're, they're kind of following. Um, so there's freedom to arrange the space in worship, but particularly that we can look at each one, one another across the communion table, across um, uh, the cross or across the preaching of the word. And that's where it became, it becomes flesh in each other is a why we really want to circle up um, as, as shades. And then also there's times when it could be made where one end is more important, like a wedding or a presentation, but we got that flexibility in the space. Yeah. One of the things that I love about the space is as I worship, I can see the body. I look out and I see others worshiping and it's, it's so beautiful. And it's something that I miss when I go to other churches where you're just facing forward. So that's a beautiful piece of the sanctuary that I love. And I know so many others do as well. Yeah, and that just it reflects shades of the time. And what's also is we get to see life. Uh, and one of the most powerful moments I had in shades is that there's two families are in a bit of dispute, or they're in a dispute. And they came together in the center at the communion table, praying for each other. And, I mean, wow, that, yeah, I'll never forget that. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And there are other times that have been meaningful to me where I could just cry in the middle of a group. 
there's times when we just sing and celebrate in the middle of the group. And so we're doing this together as we bend, as our, our circle bends on itself and centered on, uh, on the table, on the word. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, when I walk around the building, I'll discover different things. Like I'll look at a stud and there'll be like Bible verses written and different things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Going back to just a lot of blood, sweat and tears, just wave of wave of volunteer groups coming in, um, working late nights to make this happen, particularly the, the Garrigan's uh, family leading that off. There's so many that came in and so there could be a long weekend or there was literally just months where every people came in and shifts, ate dinner there. Um, people provided food and, and then we would just go to work and just kept plugging at it. Um, uh, Mike Garrigan. So what we did find out, <laughs> it, it used to rain inside the sanctuary. So, <laughs> so again, it was designed as an ice rink. So it would always be cold inside. And so if it ever got cold outside, that wouldn't be an issue. But when it switched to a sports arena and particularly a church where 300 people are coming together and singing and um, this, it gets warm. So that hot air in the winter hits the cold air uh, um, on the outside and it'll condensate. And they can do vice versa if it's cold inside with air conditioning but hot outside. So it'll condensate on the roof and it'll rain inside the sanctuary. <laughs> so uh, that was an issue. So the way to do it is to add more insulation. But to do that retroactively, you have to weave between every band, every electrical conduit, every piece of lighting. So we got a scissor lift and like like Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> Mike Garrigan laid on his back with a, a whole host of others and wove that back insulation oh my goodness. Um, all through the entire entire ceiling. So um, that was that took a while, but it was completely worth it to make it more, uh, reduce the energy costs, uh, and keep it from raining inside. But I really, Mike said, I'm the lead pastor. I'm going to lead in getting this church across the finish line uh, in terms of construction. So, wow. I would need to work on my fear of heights before I would be able it, to lead in that way. Oh, it, 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 if you ever have the chance to ride on a scissor lift, it's, it's daunting. Um, <laughs> Um, another issue is that, uh, we, the roof was in such bad repair and I know that the church has improved the roof. Um, yeah, we got a new roof. Recent future. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so for you know, a long time, we couldn't do it. So every window opening, every way that lights brought into the space is through window openings on the side. So on sanctuary, you have tiny little window openings. Yes. They expand out to allow light to come in. Um, so that's kind of a, called an archer's window where an archer can go to a small slot that have a lot of mobility and what's great about it is it lets light coming come in yeah so that's where you see the plexiglass introduced one we kept the plexiglass from the original hockey rink um, between the sanctuary and the coffee area but then we also walmart had um opened a store and they had a bunch of leftover remnant translucent plastic pieces they're all about two feet by three feet or four feet so the back wall of the sanctuary is leftover um, plastic strap from Walmart. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, it looks so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yep. Um, David shared these big metal studs that could um, connect the two, that would span that big uh, opening between the sanctuary and the back area. They have little perforations in it. So if you turn on the gymnasium lights, it creates this beautiful pattern of holes and lights. And so the, um, when I was attending the church or in, in Alabama, I just go in the back and turn on the gym lights. So it'd make this really cool glow in the back 
you know, the circuit, you know, six and 12 and <laughs> got to turn them on in a certain order and make sure you turn them off because it, it, it's expensive, but it really made this um, industrial stained glass and the sanctuary. So if I can admonish anybody, please put some lights in the back in the gym so that that, that church will, will, will glow on that side. Yes, you've talked to us about that. It's great. Sometimes John will come in and when he does, he'll walk around the building with us and he'll talk about some ideas that y'all had that because of finances or maybe just the technology at the time, you weren't yeah. able to do it. So, I mean, no promises for our listeners <laughs> here, but would you like to talk about some of those ideas, John? I would love for other people to be able to hear it. Yeah. Um, as a segue, one, we left a lot of spaces blank as architects. Like some people came in and was like, okay, wait, I know it is. It's like Shades Valley Brown. There's Shades Valley Tan and Shades Valley Brown. And that's, we had a volunteer painters. And we just want to make it simple. There's two colors. <laughs> so it made the painting a lot easier. But people said, this is really kind of boring and flat. And we said, no, here's our vision that we have amazing artists and they're going to fill these walls. And so you start seeing the communion cup uh, come in on that front entry. And um, Bo and Ashley Armstrong, particularly Ashley, comes in and start filling this with color and vision. And so one, I want to say like, what's already been fulfilled is the artists filling the space and making this amazing and alive and colorful. And the people that come in the space make it amazing, alive and colorful. We just mm. wanted the church to be in the background. Um, mm. So that's been a success. Um, and uh, some other things that are out there, um, the lighting for the, the gym space is too expensive at the time. Um, and so now there's led lights and different packages and maybe even help from power companies uh, to get that in. So I just uh, encourage the church to, to get across the finish line with that space. And then they will, the next thing is like, well, we need the bathrooms to be meet code. And we stopped because we, we the ductwork was too big to weave in that tight space with all the trusses there. So now there's split, uh, mini splits um, systems so where the air conditioning can go into those rooms. And so if you provide the air conditioning, the bathrooms get um, approved by the code official, then the whole gym gets approved. And so I just, that space would be, that's the path to make that space um, fully functional and useful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, am I making this up? But I believe you talked to me about chandeliers at one point. Was this a dream or did you have that yeah, conversation we, um, with me? No, we had that conversation that um, uh, over the, the central altar, altar and, you know, a lot of churches just have a kind of cross on the back wall. Um, Shades has it at different times in the middle or to the side, but we thought about what if we had a cross that was hovering, um, over the space. Um, and so like a kind of a cross turn sideways. And so it'd be glowing. Uh, we had some of that plexiglass we could laser cut and, and create this beautiful chandelier that has the cross that's hovering over all of us and blessing us. And so, uh, we, we had designed that out, but the time is too much for the resources. And but yeah, that's that big chandelier at the, the center. Yeah, because there, if you if you look up at the ceiling, you'll see these outlets. Like outlets were put in, right for that purpose. Yep. In a square. Yeah. yeah right in the middle. Yeah, that's that's it's meant to be just a, an octopus of uh, Christmas lights um, and a chandelier to come down from from the middle. Uh, there's been different ways because uh, so people know the old warehouse um, was about a twelve. That was a large flat space or this one story space but they had woven christmas lights all over into the ceiling so when you, uh, you attended the older shades valley uh, gathering area it's just kind of this magic little magical seasonal christmas-like space and so we want to provide that opportunity 
um, to help kind of bring continuity between the spaces. But there's been different ways that's been done. And again, love how the artists have made that space uh, uh, a worshipful place. Do you recall uh, how long it took from the time that you guys bought the building and then started renovations to maybe like the first time that you had a service where everything was, I guess, sort of uh, fully finished or at least to a point to where you could actually have a service in the building? Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly. I mean, it was a long time. It could be upwards to a year. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for a, a while we, we all met at, um, at the West Homewood, I think elementary school. So we were there for several months, um, working makeshift through there. And then we got some partial occupancies where we could come in to worship in the downstairs, but we couldn't go upstairs. And so I think we got the first floor functioning and permitted, and then and work continued on the upstairs. And then finally that got permitted. I think the city home would said, okay, we've extended you enough grace. Let's get it done. And so there's another, another work push to get that closed out. So at least a year in all, in all those different stages. And then I want to go back to, I said this is the best Bible study ever because on a weekly basis, we were meeting with a variety of different people, but there's a, kind of a core team of engineers, architects, contractors, um, and we just did life with each other. It was hard. It took extra time. We were believing in God. I remember this one time Mike gathered uh, this building committee team at a, a coffee shop and just said, I feel like Moses at the edge of the Red Sea. I do not see how we are going to get across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Financially, our, our, our team is worn out. Wow. Um, this isn't going to happen. And um, we just need, we're going to just put our staff out in faith and we want to see God split the sea. Cause we got, we got bills behind us um, and, and so many things. And I, I still remember that moment. And as we were moving into our new space, we've had our Moses at the Red Sea moments, but it was really modeled out by Mike and that community and then the whole church community believing like, okay, we're, we don't know what to do next and just take one step forward and things opened up. And, you know, now the church is, is where it is right now. Um, so I just think uh, we, it, it was hard. Um, and we saw God come through beyond our own strength so many times. So, uh, I, I will never forget that lesson. It was the best Bible study ever to see God act out in physical mm-hmm. faith and create a really strong bonds of brotherhood, um, and sisterhood. And, uh, yeah, just grateful that for that experience. Yeah, no, John, that's so beautiful. I mean, as I, as I hear you tell about the making of the building, it just reflects the story of who we are as Shades Valley, I think this past week I just preached on the beauty of the body of Christ and each member playing a role in a function. And as I hear you talk about the different people and the different roles that they played, each kind of using their skill and their gifting and how our building has kind of an eclectic feel and that reflects the body and there's room and space for the arts to happen. Shades Valley Mm -hmm. has never been a church that's been about one pastor or a quote unquote phenomenal staff that does everything. It's been a story of the body coming together using their gifts and their abilities, serving one another and shades doesn't happen without these people giving sacrificially giving of themselves. You just don't get the church as it is today. So beautiful hearing you talk about that. Yeah. And I think that for me, when I returned like a few years ago, one of the, this is beautiful to see. Not only did that happen inside and it shades through their own experience inside that church, but that was always the hope that it'd spill outside. And so I think about 
from the front doors, Chad Stogner placed these great concrete urns um, for, you know, for vines and things to grow. And then that spills out onto what was always intended to be a community space. And so I love when I see the market happening there um, in different seasons and it's and giving of that property back to the community for people to come on it um, in so many different ways. Uh, but, and even seeing the outdoor Easter services during COVID is such a reflection of the, the, the church's generosity uh, and artistry uh, and, and engagement to the community just pouring out all the way to the boundaries and beyond to the property. So it's neat to see those expressions coming together. Yeah. Well, John, I think we're, we're reaching the end here, but I do want to give you a second just to think, are there any other stories, any other parts of the building that you haven't gotten the chance to talk about? We want to give you that opportunity. It's okay if not, but just want to provide you that space. Nothing comes to mind. Y'all, uh, I think just uh, keep going. The building's not finished. Um, yeah. And the, the different ways that it will always evolve artistically um, is fantastic. But, you know, I'd love to see the community space built out um, and uh, available to help uh, make those code decisions to get across the finished line. And just love the ways that y'all are generous with that building. Um, keep loaning it out. Keep inviting people in. Uh, as, as, you know, season with COVID makes it different, difficult. But just that's as you emerge from COVID, this was a place for everybody in West Homewood, Sanford, Birmingham to be able to find a home. Mm. Um, so yeah, just grateful to, to tell the stories. And again, it, you know, every inch has been touched by somebody, um, blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm just grateful that I got to be a part of that community and still am part of that community. Yes. Um, if I have anything, uh, we just continue to like, call to artists to go out and, and do, and the engineers to go out and do um, you know, parents and the teachers. Uh, so just, yeah, that space is still uh, an admonition, admonishment to go do the great commission. Um, whatever way God's gift to you. Yes. So maybe just to close, how can we be praying for hundredfold specifically right now? How can we be praying for you guys? Yeah, I think there's a, a uh, not so much a coincidence. We just moved into our own new space. Uh, ah. It's 6,000 feet of commercial, 6,000 feet of uh, four apartments. Um, it's uh, on the highway here in Lakeside, which is part of our town center, and then stretches out to the lake. We have two and a half acres, and so we're a similar situation with shades. Like, we're still in the middle of a building. I'm, I'm talking in an office. doesn't have any doors. Um, we still don't have bathrooms yet. We have to go around the building to another spot uh, where we have a bathroom set up. And oh, so wow. we're, we're, we're in that pioneering phase. Um so just be praying for resources. Our, our guys are tired. We've been, there's a shortage of contractors in Montana. We formed our own construction company so that we could do our renovation. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just love for help, stamina, uh, uh, even finances to get across the, the finish line. And we believe this is a place for landing for people to come in, get trained and be sent out. Um, so we are launching a studio in Cambodia. We're launching a studio, in another place in Asia, um, opportunities to go in Africa. So, just be praying as we have this home that it's like Psalm 67. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to all the nations. Um, we're always looking for licensed architects and administrators, creative media, um, look for a creative media director. So if anybody has administration skills, likes being around artists and, uh, or wants to grow their career in architecture, uh, we're looking we're praying for those people. And amazingly, when we, we come to shades, people pop up and respond. So thank you. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'll put all this in the show notes, but it's 100foldstudio.org. That's your website. Um, your Instagram, I'm assuming, is 100foldstudio. Um, so that's correct. For any anyone that's listening, you want to check out more of just all the great work uh, that John and the team there are doing, please go to that website, follow them on social media, consider supporting them. We <clears throat> love them dearly. And John, just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing all the stories and the vision. And uh, it's just it's just so beautiful. So thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the opportunity just to reflect on all that God's done. Always uh, and always re- be able to reconnect with the Shades community. Again, y'all are our home church in our heart and just very grateful. Thanks for sending us out and supporting us and pray for us. And uh, we, we joke that we're Shades Valley uh, West out here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's all right. Thank y'all so much. Awesome. Thanks, John. And for our listeners, if you have any questions for John or if you have any memories from the building that you want to share, please send us an email midweek at Shades Valley. We would love to hear from you guys. But thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Shades Midweek.